wanted to take a moment to invite you to check out my website, karagoodwin.com. I have a lot of resources out there to support your meditation practice. You can sign up to receive a free guided meditation to bring more calmness and light into your life. There's also a 21-day Learn to Meditate self-study program. This can help you cultivate your own meditation practice or take your existing practice even deeper. Or if you're inspiring others in your life to begin meditating, that could be a great resource for them. There are also recorded workshops that Michael Massey and I have collaborated on, which dive into advanced concepts on consciousness. And I'll soon be releasing more offerings to support your growth, including an upcoming retreat later in the year. So please check it out at karagoodwin.com. And thanks for your support and enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. Before we get started with the guest, Melinda Carbus Reilly, I felt that I should make a little clarification as I reflect upon this conversation because there's a point um, in here where I make a joke about um, the, you know, the solution for all of Earth's problems are for an angel team to descend down onto the Earth and to rescue us. And I think it's pretty clear that I'm saying that in jest. But I want to take the opportunity to mention that we are the warriors who are here. And and this may sound almost like a silly thing to clarify, but there are lines of thought, there are lineages, there are teachers who talk about you don't need to do anything because help will come. The spaceships will come and they'll, you know, they'll take you to a safe place or the angels will come and they'll rescue you or, you know, Jesus will come a second time and he will save us all. And and the most likely scenario in my mind is that we have incarnated at this time here on earth because we are the solution. We are the warriors And so action, loving action is so needed. Let us not wait for some external force to come in and save us. Again, this may be something that happens. I I don't know. I'm not saying that it's beyond the realm of possibility. What I do know is that there are very powerful souls listening right now who have gifts and talents within them that are active or can be activated in order to provide solutions now through their actions. And this is what we're here for. And if you are listening, you very likely hold keys and you very likely hold talent that makes your action, your loving action, have an impact, a positive impact. And so let us also not be fooled into thinking that all we need to do is hold love and that's it. Because we have come with talent and with gifts 
And all of us have different talents. So it doesn't mean that all of us need to be activists. It doesn't mean that all of us need to be even lawyers or whatever we feel like is needed at this time for whatever situation you're feeling like you want to resolve. There are artists, there are writers, there are healers, there are hairstylists, there are dentists, there are accountants, there are mothers and fathers and teachers and, and you know, whatever your gift is, use it. I know a beautiful hairstylist who, when, you know, writes beautiful, inspiring messages on the mirror so that when her clients come in, they're uplifted. And she's doing her part so that when people enter her space, she's activating them. She's uplifting them. So she doesn't need to go and figure out some talent that she sees somebody else having that is some form of activism or is some form of healing or, you know, she's using her skills, her creativity, her love and her passion to affect her world. And it's very powerful and it's changing her clients. And so follow your passion. And this is one of the things that, you know, Melinda is doing, the guest, you know, she is a writer and her, she talks about how she gets into this flow and she's letting the universe flow through her. And so the whole point of what I want to reiterate here is just action, loving action and not feeling like, you know, that one that just sitting around and being loving is going to be as effective as loving action. And two, following your passion and understanding and trusting that that is going to lead you to your highest path, what you're here for, and how to realize your purpose. So enjoy this episode. Much love. Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm excited to be joined by Melinda Carbis Reilly. She is the author of the book, Becoming, and she's a naturopath, an author, obviously, a Reiki healer, and a Kundalini yoga teacher, and also a spiritual coach. So she has over two decades in health and wellness and created a wellness center for books, multiple online programs to support those who know there's something more to life than the daily grind. Her latest passion is fictional tales exploring the mystical world that we sense but don't necessarily understand. And all of her work is centered on one philosophy, to be the change she wants to see in the world. So welcome, Melinda. What a joy to have you here. I'm really grateful to be here. So thanks for having me, Cara. I can't wait to talk about your book. But I'd like to start with your journey and how you got on the holistic slash spiritual path. Yeah, I think the spiritual path for me started really young because my dad introduced me to meditation and imagery 
when I was only eight years old. Mm -hmm. So I had a beautiful dad that really led me on a nice path from a young age. Um, He was always my role model with his compassionate energy that he had and it really inspired me to want to be the same but I also was a typical teenager (laughs) (laughs) so so I still slid in and out of that path and it wasn't until I was in my 20s I started my fitness career uh, and Pilates career when I was 20 and so I sort of was focused very much on the physical aspects of health Mm -hmm. and I was noticing more and more the frustrations I was feeling that some people would get results and others just weren't because there was something missing that they Mm -hmm. had this element that they were detached from themselves and I couldn't put my finger on it so I guess my spiritual journey and and investigation into more of what makes us tick and helps us thrive was really a lot deeper than that physical element that I'd been trained in. So mm-hmm. it was an evolution like all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was in my late 20s that I really started to go deeper into meditation practices and yogic philosophy and Reiki healing and and going into that energetic realm. Oh, that's interesting. It's, is it like, I'm trying to remember if it's the age of 29 or is it 27 when you return into Saturn? There's something with the late 20s where that's an awakening point for a lot of people. And then I think about the age 33 is another time where that can be a triggering, activating time. And then another, like it just, there are these like, times that these these sort of natural alignments in the human life that help these awakenings kind of be activated so it sounds like you were right on track right on schedule maybe a little bit early with the eight eight years old (laughs) maybe that one you were ahead of the curve yeah yeah so let's talk about your latest book becoming which just to be clear, is is different from Michelle Obama's book, but same great title. <laughs> I assume it's not Michelle. You're not Michelle Obama, right? No, I'm, I think the I'm accent kind of <laughs> the accent gives that away too. <laughs> so, but um, so I understand this is a fictional story, mm-hmm. and I would just love to hear how it how it all came about and and what the inspiration was. Yeah, it was. A funny story because I've written two books before this one was really drawing on my naturopathy skills and I just wanted to have a little a little book that you would keep in your medicine drawer of all natural remedies and you sort of look at the index oh my child has an earache what do I do naturally for that and oh I've got PMS what can I do naturally for that so it's more a reference guide based on that knowledge that I have and the second book was It was autobiographical in nature, but it was a self-help book for depression and anxiety. So that one flowed out of me really naturally and easily too, because it was my story and then the tools that worked for me. So it, you know, I wrote the first three chapters in one night. That's how easy. Yeah. That book just poured out of me. It was such a quick and beautiful healing experience. But this one, I started to write a self-help book again about how to just love life even when it's turbulent and -hmm. not to wait for the grass to be greener to be happy that was the the ethos that I was trying to write a book about 
uh, but it wasn't coming to me and I'd start it and then scrap it and then go another, another um, avenue. And then I, because I, I'm such an avid reader myself, I was starting to feel like as much as I love all the authors that, you know, I listen to, they all started to sound the same. Mm. And I was like, I in the self-help know. genre, you mean? Yes, in the okay. self-help genre. So I just kept thinking, because I've listened to so many and read so many, I was like, I'm not really inspired anymore by this. So I had the thought, well, why do I want to add to a, a market that's already very well taken care of? There's lots of experts out there that really know what they're doing and, and sharing the wisdom. So maybe I can just pull on my life experiences, what I believe life is all about and create a bunch of characters and let it be a tale and let it unfold and let people connect to these different people with very different backgrounds. Um, so that's how it came about. When I finally had that concept come to me that it should be a story, that's when it just poured out and, and became the book that it is. Yeah. And you, you got in the flow then I and did. it all came <laughs> easily. I love that. I yeah. mean, it's so, it speaks to something so uh, intangible, you know, of, of that guidance that, that we're given and that beautiful lesson that sometimes like we, we think we know. And so then we're like, all right, this is how I'm doing it. And we're just like pushing the river, you know, and then, and then there's that like surrender of like, wait, I thought that was supposed to happen, but maybe it's supposed to be a different way or, yeah. I've had a similar thing where I'm trying to organize something and, and I have this idea about how I think it should be and what I think wants to happen. And then I just keep getting blocked, block, block, block. And I can't make any progress. And I'm like, well, I, I guess that's not wanting to happen, you know? And, and so what if it's like this, you know, and it's just this continuous, like, okay, what are you trying to tell me here universe? Cause clearly yeah. that's not, I'm not making traction with that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we do. We we sort of. I think we try and micromanage. So we have this beautiful inspiration, and then, well, for me anyway, I can only mm-hmm. speak personally. And then I decide of exactly how that has to work instead of just letting it unfold naturally. Yeah, and maybe the book would have come a lot quicker if I had have just surrendered to what was supposed to come onto the paper instead of trying to map it out into chapters. And this is what this is going to be about, you know, yeah. save ourselves a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. And we think that we're wanting to do it properly. Right. You yeah. know, and yeah. so I, I haven't written a book, you know, but I, I suspect there are formulas that you mm. can use to kind of like, these are proven ways to tell a story and, and, yes. um, and so like you say, like you can kind of map it all out and that may be effective for a lot of books, but then, you know, we have a lot of examples where like things are groundbreaking and they go, I mean, like Minecraft as like a video game, yeah. you know, where it's like, how did that take off? Like that is so, <laughs> there's no like real point to it. You're not trying to like solve something <laughs> and it, it's got this, these terrible graphics, you know, and it, but it's like. <laughs> They just chucked everything out and they were like, nope, we're not taking any of this proven, you know, stuff. We're just going to like really blow the whole thing up, you know, and just, 
And then it's like wildly successful. I don't know if Minecraft is even still a thing, to be honest, but I know that at some point oh, it was. Okay. <laughs> I have a 15 year old that still plays it. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. We had time in our house where everything was Minecraft too, but I'm like, I don't know. Now it's all on a PlayStation. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, so it's just funny because we get our own flow, but then we are also like, we want to like make use of these, you know, formulas and tools of others that have yeah. come before us so that, you know, we can get into that flow too. So I don't know. I don't know if it just makes it easier. Like you say, if it just get in that flow and go, or yeah. if we try to yeah. map it out or both. <laughs> <laughs> a little of both, maybe. A little yeah. structure, a lot of feeling. <laughs> right, right. So is your book, is it set in modern times? And is it like a, is it is it just a, a fiction, like a novel? Is it more of a mystery? How, how, what kind of a book is it? It is a mystical fiction tale about the size of The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Oh. That was my inspiration I wanted because I when I read that book for, for the first time when I was 19 which is still today my favorite book I love that um, book too I, oh, isn't it yeah, beautiful so it's just great beautiful and I read it in one sitting I was living in England and I know you spent time in England too in London and I took a picnic rug down to a beautiful park and I just plonked myself down and I read the entire book and I was 19 and I got up and I felt different about the world. I just saw it from this, this perspective of possibility and beauty and wonder because of that book. And when I wrote this, I wanted to create the same thing, something that you could sit down and you could just nail it in one setting, you know, just sit down for three hours and, and you've, you've shifted your perspective. So it's a bite-sized book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. It's, uh, yeah. It's, um, it's, easily easily read in one go but you can also take your time with it and it's a lot of the characters so it's a mystical fiction a lot of the characters are based on experiences that I've had so you know there's experiences with past life regression and experiences of having a mentor guide you and find your healing gifts and there's also a character that, you know, is very much based on me where she was a busy businesswoman trying to take care of her family, trying to be a great friend and just outward, 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 always looking outward to make herself feel better. But she was really neglecting her body and her health in order to take care of everybody else. And I think her character is the one that resonates most, particularly with women in this day and age because it is based on this day and age because I think that's what a lot of us do yes absolutely yeah Yeah, and we're and it's glorified I mean even though it's such a sacrifice and it's to our detriment it is like you know it it's glorified we glorify it in others you know and and a lot of people strive for it and don't think they're doing enough of that so it's uh and ultimately you have to keep filling yourself up in order to have enough to go out so yes yeah yeah the tank gets depleted quite quickly if we're not nourishing right yes yeah yeah so 
So you said that the characters, a lot of the characters are reflective of your own, like they're all kind of reflections of, of different versions of you over time, maybe, or. Yeah. Uh, There's one character, Danny, that um, she, other than the, the healing and the mentor that she has and the healing gift that she learns to, to hold, other than that, her character is at no way, no shape or form like me. She's, you know, this gorgeous golden beauty that is very obsessed with her looks and looking for men with money. And she's very much in that aesthetics world and, and a PR job where she, you know, really cares about what people think of her career and and how she's going. I sort of drew on that from a lot of women that I know that, are stuck in that I need to look perfect on Instagram I need to appear to have it all together that you know I'm not saying this in a critical way it's just we all have our own struggles like I shared mine was you know a neglect of my own self Um, some people try and build up their self-worth by always trying to look that perfect image so I sort of drew on um, my sister and my sister-in-law and they know that so <laughs> yeah <laughs> they know that <laughs> um, and some other beautiful women that I know yeah yeah okay well you mentioned um, I I don't think I'm going to say it the same way that you say it, but naturopath is how we say it here in the states yeah how do you do. say, say it the same. oh you do because yeah, did do. you say oh okay I thought you said it earlier and it was like a very cool way to say it. I was going to adopt it. Naturopathy. See, (laughs) I don't think we have this word. Maybe I'm just not engrossed enough in it to, to know (laughs) this word, but naturopathy, that is a great word. So, um, in case this is a new word for any of the listeners, can you talk a little bit about what that is? Yeah, naturopathy is natural medicine, basically. So it embodies Ayurvedic TCM, so traditional Chinese medicine. And then it also embodies science. So there's a lot of study of, you know, pathophysiology and physiology and biochemical reactions in the body, biomedicine. So it, it embodies lots of different sciences, traditional and new, and herbalist, um, you're a herbalist as well when you're a naturopath uh, and nutrition is a, a huge element as well so it draws on all these different ideas concepts and sciences to create a natural healing path for for someone who's not wanting always to lean on western medicine I think that's the beauty of our day and age is that we do have Western medicine, which is so profound and important in in lots of instances, but there's so many places in our lives where natural remedies could uh, do the job for us without us having to take a pill or wait in a doctor's surgery for an hour or whatever it might be. Um, it, it usually for me in particular, because every naturopath is different. Some of them have particular focuses. Um, for me in my practice, it's always very much a, a big combination of nutrition and sometimes herbal medicine and meditative practices, lifestyle, adapting lifestyle to really sit with the genes that you're born with. So you're nurturing your susceptibilities and and encouraging your natural strengths. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so 
I hope that explained it okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful practice. Um, I, and I'm not hugely well-versed in it myself. I, I don't know if you're familiar with functional medicine. Is that like yes. a common thing? Okay. Um, yes. Do you know what the difference might be between naturopathy? And <laughs> I'm gonna Functional any medicine. way that I can work that word into this conversation. <laughs> Just keep saying it, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but between um, the two, with functional medicine. Yeah, so functional medicine, from my understanding, a lot of functional medicine practitioners have actually gone through Western medicine training first. I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but all the functional medicine um, advocates and, and people that I listen to are medically trained and then have the insight that the body can heal itself and there are natural ways and pathways for you to, to take. So... I think the background is quite different, but really all in all, the approach is very similar that they're trying to create okay. a natural remedy. With um, um, naturopathy, is there also, because you mentioned herbs and, and, and other you know modalities as far as meditation and things like that. I know with functional medicine um, supplements, are a big Mm. thing. So like the vitamins and minerals that are kind of missing from, so it's more, it's more looking at things from like your optimum state and what you're missing from the optimum state. Is it, is it similar? Is it more like naturopath is like more herbal maybe, or I don't know. Um, it, again, it really depends on the naturopath. I've, I've got lots of naturopath friends and, you know, for me, it's a very holistic approach and I do use supplements when I feel like that's required. I do prefer to use diet as best I can though, to, to bring on balance in the body. Um, but nutrition and lifestyle would be a big element for me, but I have a girlfriend who's all about herbs. So if you go to her practice, you're going to get loaded up with herbs. So I think it's really down to each individual practitioner and what they've connected with most. And then I think of your own experience too, as you're learning, you start to use those things on yourself. And I guess whatever you get the best results from, you tend to lean towards. Yeah, totally. And I feel like too, it's, I'm recognizing more recently the, um, in my own life and, and, you know, in different ways, but it might be with meditation, for example, where I come across something from, uh, you know, something that I read or something that I I come across, I watch or whatever. And then, of course, that kind of comes into my consciousness. I might apply it to my practice or, or it could be something not really related to meditation. Let's say like the importance of sunlight. Sometimes that like will come into my radar and then I'll really like be focused on trying to deliberately get more sunlight and then that will wane, you know, and then it'll come up again and I'll be like, oh yeah, sunlight. It's so healing. I got to get out in the sun, you know? And so it's like, if you catch me as a, as a client, like if, if I, if I, for my clients or my students or, or my friends or whatever, like depending on where you, when you catch me, I will be like the way that I guide a meditation will be based on what's floating up in my life, you know, that's come onto my radar that has helped me 
that I'm like utilizing at that time. And so, but the, the way, the synchronicity that, that the wisdom that comes with that, where it's like, so with your example, where it's like, you may be exploring, um, some new, like herb that you, you know, I know you said you don't really use herb, but some kind of like, um, food combination that has like this powerful antioxidants that you just discovered or whatever. And then like you, you keep exploring that. And then the people that come into your world who need that info and it's mm-hmm. like it's so beautiful the synchronicity how that works I keep seeing that play out in my own life where I'm like okay I'm just gonna offer this because it keeps coming up for me and then people are like you know vigorously nodding their heads like oh my god yes I so need to hear that or that's so perfect for where I am right now so I don't know if that if that rings any bells but it just triggered oh. when you said that a hundred percent it does. You're right. Because you, I know when I first discovered, you know, super greens, you know, everyone got prescribed super greens Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) because you, yeah, you make such a connection with it and you're right. The universe does provide those people. They come knocking on your door because what you're learning about, you attract those people that require it. You just do, don't you? I noticed when I went through um, depression in 2015, it was, I was a very late bloomer to have a depressive episode. I was 35. And while I was struggling, I was doing a lot of reading and research and, and understanding about the chemicals and nutrition that support brain function and gut function and how they're connected. And my doors were like, my naturopathy practice was just flooded with people with mental health you know, problems and really needing a lot of support. And at the time I felt like a hypocrite or uh, yeah, I just thought, oh, who am I to be helping these people when I'm struggling myself? But once I got out of that state, I realized what a blessing that was really to me and to my clients, because you actually get what they're going through. If you're going through it yourself, you can, you can speak from experience, not just textbook and it probably makes your um, your compassion levels higher and your insights much deeper as well. Yeah. yeah, the image that I got when you were explaining that is like a zipper. You know, like, you know, you guys are two, two uh, parts to a zipper and then that, you know, that links you together and it's like, oh, okay, here, together we help to complete each other and yes. uh, come into wholeness. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. So you're also a Kundalini yoga teacher. And I would love, let's, first of all, let's define that too, in case, because that may be something (laughs) new for listeners as well. What, what is uh, Kundalini yoga? Yeah. Kundalini yoga is very traditional. It's based on the Royal yoga, um, Raj yoga. And it used to be purely for people monks that would go out into the caves and practice in isolation and then bring that wisdom and insight into the community so only select people were allowed to practice but yogi bhajan changed that when he brought kundalini yoga to america and he mainstreamed it and said that we're now ready for everybody to start embodying these practices we don't need to rely on you know gurus and monks to bring it to us we're all heightening in awareness coming into the aquarius age so it's it's a practice for everybody so that's where it sort of really changed its direction kundalini yoga it has uh it 
it's a beautiful practice in the sense that it it brings in every element of yoga into one kriya. So a kriya is like if you just do normal yoga, it would be a yoga class. So it brings in the kriya always has mantra. So you use your vocal cords, which is on, on a science level, it's beautiful for massaging your vagus nerve and your vagus nerve, as we know, it not only helps stimulate brain function, but it also nourishes heart, lung, esophagus, digestive system. So when we, when we massage it with our vocal cords, we're helping to stimulate that part of our body. So that's why mantra is so important. And uh, the postures, of course, are using your body and using mudra. So particular finger taps or bear grips or different hand postures in the practice um, and meditation, of course. And it embodies all of those. And each kriya has a different specific outcome for you. So it's not just, you know, doing some sun salutations, which I'm, I absolutely love, you know, your typical yoga practices, but it's just very different to that where everything is purpose-driven. So you'll have a practice for kidney health. You'll have a practice for immune health. There's a practice for mental clarity. There's a practice for the 10 bodies that we have for your magnet, electromagnetic field. So it's um, very purposeful I think is the way I'd like to ex explain it another big element of kundalini yoga is about awakening the energy that sits and resides at the base of your spine so in you know natural like today's terms you'd call it your spinal fluid in yogic philosophy it's called your kundalini energy and we all have this reserve of energy that pulls at the base of our spine and when we learn to bring that up through the spinal cord and into the pineal and pituitary glands we can actually create this connection to the divine and have this beautiful wisdom imparted upon us because we've opened up our receptor sites that allows that information to channel through to us. So that's probably what Kundalini yoga is mostly known for, probably, mm -hmm. I'd expect. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm curious about your thoughts about that awakening of that energy from a physical perspective, because, of course, we have the physical body. And, and one of the things I was interested in the beginning when you were doing your introduction and you were talking about how you could only get so far um, with your clients in the beginning, because there was always like, they could work on the physical, but some of them couldn't mm. get, it, it couldn't hold on to it or couldn't get yeah. past a barrier. So when we deal with, when we're like awakening that Kundalini energy, but we're doing it only physically, then you could make the argument that you're not ready for that kind mm. of energy oh, yeah. to come in because you haven't you're still coming at it from like the egoic perspective and you haven't adopted mm -hmm. like the union you know like of course yoga is means union and so mm. uh, because there are spontaneous spiritual or spontaneous kundalini rising or awakenings that are really unfortunate you know people like mm -hmm. go go mad you know because <laughs> they don't because yes. it's like okay, my whole world just, like, I don't recognize anything. I don't know what's happening, and it's so disorienting. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one way with the spontaneous. If you're doing it through, like, a practice that's only focused on the physical body, then you could have, like, the egoic takeover 
I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? I've always been a little bit like I'm undecided about kundalini yoga. Yeah. And I understand that. I do understand that. And when I started to study it, I had the same experience. I thought, Ooh, what am I doing here? Do I really want to go down this path? And I had to have a really big inquiry within myself and do a lot of research externally too. Um, it can be quite dangerous because if you're not ready for it, like you said, you you won't be able to understand the, what is happening and the insights you're receiving and the nervous system, because it is the nervous system that you're working with and the glandular system, that's what you're activating through your kundalini rising. If those are overactivated and you haven't primed yourself, you haven't slowly built up, it could be pretty nasty for you. And so, you know, there's kundalini yoga teachers that practice online. And I don't know how I feel about that. I think if you're just doing a gentle practice, it's probably okay. But I feel like with kundalini yoga in particular, you need your hand held and you need to do it very slowly. Um, when you're going through your teacher training, they put you through the process so slow. It's such a slow awakening and you have all these little processes you have to go through before they'll even touch that kundalini energy. Uh, there's a lot of self-healing work that you need to do, a lot of priming yourself and getting that nervous system and glandular system functioning and flowing well before you can even look at the code they don't even teach you in the first level it's in level two that they start to teach you yeah so that's really how kundalini yoga is supposed to be delivered but unfortunately it's it's not always the case and then that there is those negative experiences that people have yeah i think mm. it's it's and thank you for sharing all of that. And I think it's just helpful for people in general to, I mean, for some people, they may not even really know what Kundalini is. Um, but as you start to learn about it, it, I think it's like, it's so fascinating. It's so intriguing. And it's like, oh my God, I want to awaken that, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's like, let's do that. You know? yes. And, and so it's like, um, because it, it's like, you know, who wants, who doesn't, who wants to not have access to this, uh, reservoir mm. of spiritual energy and the insights and the, you know, the, the wholeness yeah. and all of that. Um, but I think it's really valuable to kind of explore all the, the realities that can come with that in the, um, the importance of all the work you mentioned, like the shadow, I, or I, I can't remember if that's how you said it, but like the, you know, kind of the healing, the traumas and kind of clearing up those shadows within us, like all of that it is so it's such important, like foundational groundwork to really yes. let that be a beautiful experience. So not rushing it and just really like knowing that it's it, if it's spontaneous, then at some level, you know, it's it's been called for that to happen. But, you know, there's just uh, the gentleness and the the patience, I think, yes, can be patience. Yeah, especially for Americans. I don't know about in Australia, if you guys, but <laughs> as an American, I will say we are not really like hugely masters of patience, <laughs> typically. I think it's a Western world thing because I must say your sisters over here in Australia are quite similar. <laughs> yeah. Good. I like not being alone. So. <laughs> You're not alone. Oh, good. Yeah. So I'm curious about, um, about 
your just your worldview. We've touched a little bit on some things, but um, you know, you are a spiritual coach, and so I, I think it'd be valuable to learn about kind of how, what is your worldview, and then like how do you determine that line between fantasy and reality? Like when you start talking about Kundalini energies, that can be very relevant. <laughs> What's yeah. that? You know, you start talking about multidimensionality and and. Uh, yeah. re- Perception of reality can change pretty quickly. <laughs> it can change very quickly, very quickly. Yeah. For me, I, as as much as I love mysticism and the spiritual realm, I do have naturally an analytical, but how, but why, but how, but why kind of brain. Uh-huh. So I, I do like to understand the scientific nature behind things as well as trusting my intuition. I probably am a bit of a mixed bag like that. Um, but my guess, my worldview is that everything is beautiful. Everything is beautiful. Even the heartaches that we suffer. And, and I'm not just saying this because I've had an easy peasy life. I've, I've had significant trauma in my life. And through those experiences, I have found deeper levels of love significant amounts of compassion for my fellow humans and just a deep love for this experience unfolding I for my for me the worldview would be also that we never need to fight anything that it's all I should all come from love even what we're going through with COVID I don't know what America's like right now but Australia is still crazy with their response to COVID and there's this huge divide that's taking place of vaxxers and anti-vaxxers is I don't know if it's the same there it's not as extreme I hear that it has Uh, been I think you you've gotten the brunt of it Um, different pockets within the U.S. I think too um you know, New York and California come to mind of being like really very strict where I am. It's, there's still judgment, I would say for sure, but it's not, stuff is pretty open and people are, are kind of moving past it. Which is amazing. And I hope we get to that point because I've seen, you know, I've, I've had a beautiful friend. Her parents won't talk to her because she's not vaccinated. Um, The people who took over my business last year, they've been kicked out of their parents' house because they're not vaccinated. And then you get the the anti-vaxxers who are, you know, graffitiing everywhere saying everyone that does get vaccinated are just, you know, bending over and not thinking for themselves. So there's this real horrible divide that's happening instead of just being pro-choice and understanding that we're all going to take it our own personal ways depending on us our scenario like if you're immune compromised you're going to be a bit more careful if you've got an elderly person in your life that you don't want to lose you're going to be more careful but if you're young and and you know you're a bit more mindful of of what you're putting inside your body you're going to think differently so I just think that just that acceptance of what is and not trying to fight things because you're just adding to it so if you're fighting against the vaccine you're actually giving it more energy and now we're going to have more debate and it's going to hang around for longer because we know wherever energy goes you know that's Mm -hmm. where the attention goes and it grows so for me it's just about going deep inside and whenever you feel your reactive self coming up just acknowledging it and coming back to 
deep within of where that love and that compassion resides. And it doesn't always flick the switch immediately. Sometimes we need, you know, time before we can let go of those concepts and the things that we've connected to in this life, but always approaching life from that loving place as much as you can, as best as you can would probably be my other worldview. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And it's, it, it really makes, it makes so much sense, you know, coming at things from a loving view and, and it's interesting because we are in really divisive times, like you say, and it makes me wonder about, like, it feels like we need some people to be taking action. You know what I mean? Because if we want to have choice, if we want it to be a choice, we need people out there who are fighting for it because it's otherwise it is like we don't get the choice because everybody's Mm. just submitting and it's like, okay, you just do it because everybody's going, okay, I'll just do it. And so it, and I guess it's just, we rely on from a human organism perspective that there are some people who have that mission and have Mm. that drive and that that is like where their maybe even their talent like if they have like a legal talent or or you know you mentioned PR before I don't know I'm just like Mm. from a human organism like I'm not that like I know that that's not where I thrive and I know that that's Mm. not where my skills are Mm. um so I follow more like that worldview where it's like just kind of live and let live. But then there's this other piece to, especially when you talk about Australia and the, the really strict, um, mm. the, the really strict rest- restrictions. Mm. <laughs> How many times can I say strict? <laughs> but all of the restrictions, it's like if, if people do want to have a choice, it feels like the back is your back is against the wall, you know, where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, either, either some people have to, I don't know. I, I don't know what the right decision is when yeah. that choice starts to become not a choice and it starts to become mm-hmm. a forced thing. Because like you say, there are people with autoimmune issues where it doesn't make sense. The data with young boys with yes. the myocarditis, you know, all this stuff mm-hmm. that it's like, I, you know, we may, we probably would could do with some more time to figure out if it's actually the right thing before yes. all of humanity goes that route maybe you know Definitely. but i don't know so it's it's really it's such a i feel like it's like this huge advanced um course for humanity right now of like <laughs> How do we do this re- correctly, the best way, the highest timeline? Yes. You know, it's like still, um, I mean, I have to say with a lot of humility that there's like a lot that I don't understand about how, like what the best approach is for humanity yes. as a whole with this, th- with this time that we're in. And I don't, mm. I don't see a lot of like leaders who know you know, like, oh, I'll just, whatever that person says, they seem to really know (laughs) what they're talking about. (laughs) Like sometimes, but then usually if you keep probing, I'm like, I'm not sure actually. (laughs) I don't know. 
Yeah, we jump ship pretty quickly at the moment and we definitely need activists that are standing up and there's actually a group of people because in Australia, as of the 31st of January, psychologists, uh, psychiatrists, naturopaths, chiropractors, none of them are allowed to consult unless they're double vaxxed. And so with COVID and all the restrictions and limitations and fear that's been projected in, into our world, everyone needs psychologists and psychiatrists more than ever. And now there's this restriction that you can only be helped if your psychologist has, or, you know, whoever it might be, has been double vaxxed. So it's putting them into a corner. Like you said, you're back against the wall and there's no choice in that. There's no choice in, you know, if, uh, if I'm a patient of a psychologist, I believe it should be my choice whether or not I see someone who's vaccinated or not. It's my choice whether I'd like to put myself in that position. So we definitely, yeah, we do need activists. That, but for me, it's not to fight. It's to come from love and to have the knowledge, the insight. And like you said, just the understanding of what is the best thing we can do for a better trajectory for what we're going through. We need... We do, we need people who are willing to, and there's a, a group of now um, psychologists, psychiatrists, they're all pulling together and they're creating a paper to create an inquiry into how um, hypnosis and NLP, all those things are being used incorrectly. Psychology practices are being used incorrectly to influence the masses. Mm. So that would be really interesting to see the outcome of that. Yeah. Yes, I yeah, mass hypnosis is mm. uh, you know we're, it's not that easy to find the data on that, but it <laughs> seems to be a a very relevant topic right now. Mm. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think what we need to do, let's solve this. Can we get an angel team to come <laughs> yes. in here, calling forth? <laughs> the angels yes. to descend yes. into this realm and just clean this mess up for us. That would be yes. wonderful. Thank you very much. That's right. I'm putting my request in right now. Yeah. Mamma mia, this, this world we're in, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, how can people find out more about you and find your book and all of your, your offerings? Yeah, so uh, I'm on my website, melindareely.com.au. Uh, all my books are there. My coaching program is on there as well. Um, that's probably the best way. Or, of course, social media. Um, that's also a good way, Facebook and Instagram. Perfect. Great. Yeah. Well, it has been such a joy to have you um, on here today. You're just like this, such a gentle, beautiful, glowing person. It has been really beautiful to connect with you. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Please share this episode. I appreciate your support, rating, reviewing, and sharing. So thank you again for listening, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.